0: Well, what a privilege to gather as the Christ Journey family once again. Every week it's a privilege, but this week's significant in that our hearts are tender and raw with prayers for our families, our students, connections from this church family that uh, have been touched as perhaps um, you are aware, the tragedy that happened in Parkman. Um, Whether you're joining us here in South Florida across the nation around the world, you've probably heard And so in time past where our prayers have been with you during your time of crisis, we now invite you to join us in prayer at this time. Would you bow with me? Father, where words seem so inadequate, we thank you for your word that speaks with promise and invites us to come boldly to the throne of grace that we might find mercy to help in our time of need. We're praying your mercy today. No treasure so precious to us in this world as our children. And So we pray for our children. We pray for our families. We pray for those who care for them and teach them and lead them. We thank you for those who have placed themselves in harm's way, even as you did for us. And we pray now your mercy upon each one. And I pray your mercy upon me as I seek to speak your word in Jesus' name. Amen. If uh, if I say edge, what comes to mind? To feel on edge is to uh, be anxious or, or stressed, right? To be on the edge means to be in a precarious place where your your future may be at risk, like a financial um A financial future after a stock market crash. If you're a snowboarder and you catch an edge, it could lead to a fall. So there's danger there. And yet we also say, hey, I'm on the edge of my seat. That means I'm fully present. I'm fully alert. Or we say, oh, this is cutting edge. Speaking of the latest technology or a new treatment that's new and exciting could make a real difference for you or when we say, you know, they're living on the edge, we usually mean they're taking on risk and facing danger, much like first responders do in a crisis. Take on risk and face the danger. But chances are you might not have thought of Christians when the word edge came to mind, and yet I think Jesus does people of the edge, people who live on the edge. What do I mean? I mean the next two Beatitudes. I mean the next level of the Christ journey, where he says this, blessed are the peacemakers and blessed are the persecuted. They travel together and they speak of risk and, and danger. Now, I want to tell you why that why that matters to me today, because some people think of Christianity as a play it safe place, a play it safe thing, you know, where it's all about looking good or having a good reputation, but don't rock the boat. I mean, play it safe in the kingdom of nice. And here's where Jesus says, no, 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 I didn't come to establish the kingdom of nice, where everybody plays it safe. The kingdom of heaven is about more than merely appearing nice or persona management in the marketplace. It's a kingdom of edge. What do you mean? Well, I mean taking the risk and facing the danger. That's what kingdom adventure is. That tinge of excitement as you engage your fear, but then push through it with curiosity in light of what's about to come. What's kingdom adventure? Meeting Jesus at the edge and following him there. Kingdom adventure. Meet Jesus at the edge and follow him there. Now, there's an interesting, Chinese. in Chinese, the word adventure is very interesting. It's a combination of two characters. The first character means brave. The second character means danger. So adventure is that place where you are called to be brave in the face of danger, like peacemakers being persecuted. They travel together. And this is the next level of Christ's journey in spiritual formation. Have you made it to this level yet? Higher elevation living. And um, I think that I've been there. I think that I'm familiar with this level, but I'm still on the journey, as you know. But when I think about my own spiritual formation and how did I get to where I am, what have made the greatest difference? The first thing that comes to mind is people. People have made the greatest difference for me. Mentors, uh, adventurers, some of them pastors and Bible teachers, some of them lay leaders who are encouraging or living it and then modeling it for me, they would not consider themselves to be mentors or peacemakers. The ones who are in God's hands, cutting away, and then calling out of me, you, saying, you know, I, I think there's an opportunity for you to be brave here, and you need to step up, engage the adventurer. And yet that's how it happened for me. Is that how it's happened for you, believer? When you think about the places in your Christian life where you've been challenged to go to the next level and you took it up, was there people there? Are there people there? Is somebody coming to mind? Is there a face or a name coming to your view screen right now? Somebody who inspired you, somebody who encouraged you. Somebody said, oh no, let's do it together. And so there you went. Maybe you're here as a spiritual explorer today. You wouldn't say I'm a believer yet, but you're checking it out. You know, you're kind of exploring the faith to see what it's like. I bet you can think of somebody who's been there for you. That's why you're exploring. Who's invested in the relationship. Who has engaged the conversation and fielded questions maybe. Or then invited you to say, would you come with me? And then now here you are. I bet somebody is coming to mind, why? Because this is how God does it. God uses people to help people. God's chosen preferred conduit for bringing his love and power to the human heart is another human heart where it's growing, where God's love and power is growing. God uses growing people to help people grow. And that's how it's happened for me, that's how it's happened for you, people who are already engaging the adventure. What's the adventure? The adventure is where you meet Jesus at the edge and follow him there. This is the place where you put your put feet to your prayers and enter the danger zone. This is beyond spectator Christianity. This is engaging it. And when I think about the discipline, the spiritual practices that have made the greatest difference in my journey that people have taught me, Um, Two of them come to mind. The first one is Bible reflection. So daily Bible reading, meeting God through his word, reading it, reflecting on it, um, and then putting it into practice, applying the truth. And speaking of putting it into practice, the second catalytic, most catalytic formative uh, practice for me has been generosity. Generosity. I'm not talking about just giving money, though that's definitely part of it. But I'm talking about sharing gifts that God has given me. That's the third milestone. Share your gifts. Why? So that God's blessing can get out through me and others can experience his love and life. This is the third milestone. I'm remembering a time early in my my Christian life. I was a young adult and I was a sponsor. I wasn't, I, I was a volunteer lay sponsor to a youth mission trip. And our youth choir had just gotten done singing at a a juvenile detention center, where a juvenile correction center where uh, teenage lawbreakers were held. And I was asked if I would speak. Uh, You know, I said yes, because there was an edge and I wanna follow Christ, but I said yes, and then started praying, you know, those sweaty palm prayers, because I was not, I was not in the ministry. I didn't have a lot of public speaking experience. Um, they wanted me to talk about how I met Christ and the difference it made in my life. And so I said, okay. And then it was like, gulp. Uh, This was my, there was an edge there. I'd never spoken to a crowd that large before. I'd never been in a jail before. I remember feeling a little scared at the time. And when we walked into the secured facility, I remember the insecurity rising up in me, like, what is about to happen? You know, what am I going to do? And I also remember, because I didn't know what to expect, and I, and I also remember all the guys that were inside were really happy to see all the girls that were with us in the choir. Uh, they, they were really happy. And then I remember when I finished giving my talk and gave an invitation to come to the altar over 50 of the inmates came forward to say, I want to take the next step in following Christ in my life. And I was blown away, serious, blown away that God could use me for that. But I never would have felt that if somebody hadn't modeled and mentored and encouraged and said, no, it's you. You're supposed to step up. You're supposed to share. You're supposed to Meet Jesus at the edge and follow him. Share your gifts. Be generous with what God has given you and bless somebody else with it. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you know why we invite people to serve at Christ's Journey? Because we got stuff that needs to be done. Well, I guess that's a part of it. But the real reason is because God wants every person to know what it feels like to be an instrument of God's peace to be a peacemaker. This is that part of the journey, to have his love and power growing in your heart and then flowing through you to make connection in somebody else of some other age and stage of life where God uses you and you go, whoa, I can't believe God used me. Yes, he does. This is his desire. Blessed are the peacemakers. Could God use you to do that? The answer is yes. But it won't happen if you don't share your gifts. If you don't share your gifts, you won't grow. And you won't get there. But when you do, this is what happens.
1: Hi, my name is John. I was raised in the Catholic Church, um, used to serve every Sunday, was an altar boy for a while. When I was about 15, um, found out my mom was sick, and I was like, What do you have? And she was like, I have MS. And my mom went from a cane to a walker to a wheelchair. A year after that, she was bedridden. No more does my mom walk. So I have to watch, physically watch your mom die in front of you, little by little, every day losing something else. And I would sit there and just cry in my bed. Why, why, why? Just take her, let, let us find peace. Let her be in peace, like it's not right. Or heal her, why don't you heal her? But he never answered that one. I started going to see uh, spiritual people, um, trying to find out answers. I'd met other other people in um, the religion Santeria. you know next thing you know hey you know you're sacrificing chickens I felt like I was accomplishing something that maybe you know he doesn't want to help me but I'm helping myself and I'm gonna get this done and this is gonna happen because I'm doing it. I got invited to church several times throughout the years that I was doing this. <laughs> Who wants to join a cult? That's what it is. they take your money they brainwash you man I would never do that. I went the following week, and the uh, Pastor Bill had mentioned a skeptic's group. So my buddy Juan was like, hey, you want to go meet the Passion We can ask him about it? Man, this is the pastor of the church. I shouldn't even be in here. What am I doing? You know what I mean? All this stuff I've been doing. I, mean, I don't belong in here. So after service, walked up to him, and uh, Juan knew him like it was his friend. You know what I mean? Like This is his buddy. I was like, that's kind of weird. I didn't think pastors were supposed to be like that. They said, hey, Bill, this is my buddy, John, and he wants to do your class. And I was like, whoa, 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 Who? oh, here's a book. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> so he handed me over the book, A uh, Case for Christ, I believe it was called. I went ahead and I started reading the book, oh, 11 chapters. We showed up for class that day, and everybody introduced themselves. And how sincere they were with what they were telling you and how no matter what you told them, they didn't get mad at me. They didn't try to force me to think a different way. They just kind of said, if you seek, you'll find him. And I was like, okay, we'll see about that. And uh, um, they were right. If you seek, you will find him. I serve because I want to help people. Hopefully one day to understand that he is real, that he's here for you no matter what. And maybe my story of me helping somebody Somebody else might see me helping, and they might go and do the same thing, and they might go into following the path of Jesus the way it should be, the way we all should be, learning, growing towards closer to God, to be with Him, to be the way it should have been. I learned that there's way more people that are actual true Christians that actually do try to follow the word, and they'll tell you. They're broken, they need fixing too, just like me. God doesn't want perfect, and I understand that now. So even when I mess up, I understand that He still loves me. I didn't listen to what people were saying about it. I went and I did my own investigation on what I thought needed to be done, which was read the book. You read, and you'll find the answers. It'll tell you in there everything you need to know. And it's good to go to church because you're amongst other people that believe in what you believe, or they can help you to find the answers you're looking for which is what happened to me. I've had my friends that go to church, that say, look, I just show up to show up. Now I go, and because of you, I'm actually listening. I'm actually trying to get better, you know? I I wanna get baptized, and I was like, I hope you do. And I'll be there, and I'll cheer for you, and I'll clap for you, and I'll do whatever you want. (laughs) So, yeah, little by little. I mean, everything's just changing for the better. I mean, it's great.
0: It has been so awesome to be on the journey with John and to watch and to be a part of it from skeptic to now. I mean, he's at third milestone now. He's sharing his gifts now. And so many connect points in the story, I know. But the one I wanted to remind you of, he said, you know, I want to someday, I want somebody to be blessed. But did you hear him say that he had somebody come to him and say, hey, because of you, I'm listening now. Did you hear him say that? Because of you, I'm actually listening He said, I'm trying to get better. I'm going to get baptized. And John goes like, whoa, you know, I hope you do. And then I'm going to be there. I'm going to cheer for you. I'm going to clap for you. I'm going to do whatever, you know. What he's saying is, whoa, look what God is doing through me. I am an instrument of peace, of God's peace. Yeah, that's a peacemaker. That's what we're talking about. In the journey where you are helping somebody else experience the Prince of Peace. Being a peacemaker doesn't mean you've got to be Mother Teresa. Being a peacemaker means that you're just placing your life like a channel so that the blessings of heaven can get to your part of the world just like Jesus did. And then that's why Matthew says when he was quoting Jesus, blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be called sons of God. Sons of God. I mean, how can there, how do you develop greater human potential than that to be, to behave like a child of almighty God? That's what Jesus says is happening here. You're being called a son of God. Now we know Jesus is the unique only begotten son of God. There's not another one. We don't want another one. There's only one Jesus Christ. But God's plan is that the peace he has for our hostile, violent world is that his peace and his truth get to it through us. His wholeness, his healing, his salvation get to your part of the world through your life reflecting him. And then here's what you learn. That's being a peacemaker. And here's what you learn. When you start living the way Jesus did in that way, that always involves a cross. When we love the way Jesus does, It always involves a cross in this world. There's persecution. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was abused. Jesus was persecuted for righteousness sake. But look what happened. All of heaven opened up in a new way for us on earth. And now it's like to me, he's saying this, his plan to bring kingdom peace, his wholeness, his healing, his salvation to your part of the world, to our broken, hostile world is to do it through his followers. So you're blessed to be a blessing to someone else, to somebody else. Now, say it another way. There are blessings you will never know unless and until you engage the kingdom adventure. What is that? You meet Jesus at the edge and then follow him there. That's the call to kingdom adventure. Now, you know what a conduit is? A conduit is a through place through place. It's like a spillway or like a river. The Jordan River is a conduit for living, life-giving water travels through it from the Sea of Galilee south in Israel. And by the way, did you know that you can raft rapids in the Jordan River? Would that be cool? To river raft in the river that Jesus was baptized in, that would just be so cool. But there's some edge to be found there if you're up to the adventure. On the other hand, the Dead Sea is also in Israel. You know this, right? And there's a reason it's called Dead because everything flows in and nothing gets out. It's the lowest land elevation on the planet, 1,400 feet below sea level. No channel there. No conduit there and no life there. And here's what Jesus is saying. This is my take on it. Jesus wants his followers. You say you're one of them, then he wants you living like a river, not like the Dead Sea. The Jordan River, not like the Dead Sea. He wants us to live like funnels, not like buckets. And this is how you stay fresh. If you're stagnant in your Christian life, you stay fresh by letting what comes in keep flowing out. And that's the value of generosity generosity it's the spiritual practice of generosity and it's shown in three ways time talent and treasure and to make it more practical than that we would say we're called to serve to give and to share our story with others that's where you're going to find your edge i'm telling you that's where the kingdom adventure is it's because every one of those are scary I'll tell you what i mean i mean they're going to take you to the edge this is the reason why we don't do them. is because fear meets us there and then we're scared and we back away from the edge. But kingdom adventure is meeting Jesus at the edge and following him there. Scare serving can seem like a threat. Did you know that? Some people avoid it because it's scary. It's a threat to what? It's dangerous to your ego. And here's what happens. You use your precious time to help somebody else that you don't even know and it butts into your schedule, and you've got to start adjusting your life and making room for others in your day, like I said, that you don't even know? <laughs> why would you want to do something like that? It's dangerous. I mean, why don't you just, it's, it's, um, it's not only annoying, it's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's inconvenient. It's inconvenient. I mean, don't they don't they already know how important you are? Don't they know what important stuff you have to do? I mean, why aren't they serving you? Instead of you being called to serve them. This you know what it's dangerous to? It's dangerous to human pride. Serving is dangerous to hubris and pride and human ego. And when you are the dead when you're living at dead sea level and you're accustomed to everything flowing in, <laughs> you don't always see Why not? Because you're below sea level at the Dead Sea. And what Jesus is saying is we're going to put that, we're going to take you to the edge and I'm going to show you how to get above sea level. And you're going to learn how to live by love and by faith. And it's going to happen as you engage the danger of serving. It's scary. It's dangerous to your pride. And that's why Jesus wants us to do it. But it's full of freedom and spiritual life. Another one is giving. Giving is scary. That's why we don't do it. You know, somebody said the most sensitive nerve in the human body is the one that runs from your heart to your wallet. And we understand that one, right? Because it takes you right to the edge of fear, and there's such a strong impulse, at least this is how it is for me, a strong impulse to say, hey, everything comes in, but you know, maybe a little gets out. (laughs) This is like Dead Sea, Dead Sea Bill right there, running into the fear. But Jesus is saying, I want my followers challenging Dead Sea mentality through generosity. Why? Because it's dangerous. It's dangerous to fear. It's dangerous to greed. It's not dangerous to your bottom line. That's what you'll find out. It's dangerous to disbelief. It's dangerous to stagnant living but it's not dangerous to your bottom line. Jesus says this, freely you have received. There's no price tag on salvation. Now freely, give. Generosity is how I live. But if, if, uh, if I give, aren't I going to have less? Bill, do the math. Yeah, that's the math of human logic that's built on a scarcity mindset that says, I've got to live like the Dead Sea. And Jesus is saying, let me teach you some new math. It's Jordan River math. Luke chapter six, verse 38, give and it will be given to you. Oh, there's a new concept. Give and it'll keep on flowing. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together to the running over, that means a spillway, they will put into your lap. And then listen to this one. What if this is really true? This next thing, Jesus says it. What if it's really true? He says, with the same measure that you measure, it will be measured to you. You mean that I control the flow in by how I allow the flow out. That's what Jesus says. And if you want to be taken to the higher levels of reward in the spiritual formation of your soul, it's going to involve taking the risk and the adventure of learning how to live like the Jordan River instead of the Dead Sea where what flows in you allow to find its way out. And there are two steps that we invite people to take every week along this line. You know, in our worship service, we say this, somebody will stand up and say, now our ushers are going to come forward as we give our tithes and our offerings. Why do we do that? You know, by the way, what a tithe is, you know what a tithe is? It literally means 10%. What that means is a dime, a dime of a dollar. Can you give God a dime? That's what basically, it's like, let's prime the pump a little bit. Can you give God a dime? It's the first dime of every dollar that Jesus is inviting us to take a step of faith. Now, why do we do that? Why do we do that? Well, you got to pay the bills. You got to keep the lights on. No, no, we do it because it's dangerous. We do it because it's dangerous to fear and greed and human pride. It's dangerous to disbelief. And people who take the step, we do it because Jesus commanded us to say, we're not going to live like the Dead Sea. We're going to live like the Jordan River and let the flow keep growing. And that's what kicks us into faith and love. It's an act of worship in love that says, "Lord, I'm putting you first. And what you've what you've brought in, I'm going to keep flowing out, and trusting that as the future continues to rise that the tide will rise too." But I want you to know, I'm I'm on the Jordan River here. I'm not living like the Dead Sea. And that's an act of worship. That's what a tithe is, a dime. You know what an offering is? A penny more. To that dime, add a penny. 11 cents on a dollar means you've stepped into the offering territory. It's above a tithe. So when we say tithe and offering, we say a dime and then a little more, a little more. And why are we, Why would anybody want to give? Because you're opening the spillway wider so that what comes in, Jesus said, the same measure that comes in is what you're measuring out and that's going to keep on flowing in. So the way we grow in generosity is by learning how to give above and beyond the tithe. Well, what does it do? Well, it gifts to missions. It helps us feed the under-resourced. It helps us care for children and youth that are at risk in cities, here and around the world. It helps us expand and upgrade our campuses. Those are what offerings do. We don't spend um, operating ministry budget on mission and expansion projects. We let those be labors of love underwritten by Gifts above the tide. That's what daring greatly was, by the way. But I'm not going to say anything else about that. And I'm not going to take a special offering today. So you're off the hook, okay? That's not why I'm talking about this. I'm saying, how do you grow spiritually? Well, you're going to take the step of generosity, but it can be scary because he's going to take you to that edge and say, now follow me. And then sharing your faith, talking to others about your faith, inviting others to give Christ a chance can take you to the edge. That's why we don't do it. Because we're scared sometimes. We don't know. How do I do it? And what if they ask me a question I can't answer? And I mean, what do I say? And what if I mess up? You know, all those things. And we're coming right to the edge and we're going, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. But listen, did you, hear, did you hear John? He said, my buddy won. What do you have to do to share your faith? Be a buddy. That's the first thing. You just be a friend. You be real and you live it. And be a friend. He said, my buddy And that was a buddy who knew that he was a skeptic and that he was a hardened skeptic and he knew that his mother had had problems and he knew that he didn't trust people like me to go to places like this. But Juan was there and his buddy said, why don't you come with me? So that's how it starts. You want to know how to share your faith? Be a buddy to somebody, for real. Be a friend, enter their pain, enter their story and then share your story. And that edge, you're going to be on the edge but when you... Step across that edge. You know what it's going to do? It's going to deepen your prayers. It's going to enrich your time in God's word. It's going to change the way you experience church because now your heart is growing wider because you're listening for somebody else. See how that works? And God's love will take you beyond your fear. Can I ask you, uh, sister, brother in Christ, have you ever prayed this prayer, God, take me deeper, take me deeper, You know, Pastor Bill, I know he's trying hard, but I just need deeper. You don't have to answer that. I'll take your silence as an affirmation. You know, he's trying really hard, but I need something deeper, Lord. And I want to say this with all respect. I want deeper for you too. I really do. But if your assumption is that depth comes with increased knowledge, then I got to tell you, the Bible says knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up. It's something else that builds up. It's something else that takes you deeper and lifts you higher. You know what that something else is? It's application. Transformation doesn't just come from more information. It comes through application of the simple directions God gives us. When you come to an edge, it's taking the next step. Like what? Like serve, give, share your faith. That sounds so simple. That sounds so shallow, pastor. Yeah, you know why? Because it's doable. So why are you doing it? (laughs) That's the question. You want deeper, then start with shallow, and God will show you as you apply his truth how to make more room for it, and not just in your head, but in your life. But you got to start. Meet Jesus at the edge and take the step. If it's shallow, then it should be doable. What does that mean? Then serve somewhere. That's what that means. Serve. Serve. Somewhere, come on. It means give something. (laughs) That's what it means. Give something. And then it means, and okay, you say, I I don't know how to give, and I think I'm going to choke on 10%. Okay, I get that. Start at five. Start at five percent. Add two percent a month for three months and see where you are after three months. You're doing the math, aren't you? You're saying that's 11%, Pastor. Yeah, I'm saying, hey, we're getting on past the edge here. We're going to take it to the edge and we're going to take it a little bit farther because what we're trying to do is get into the kingdom adventure here where you have to trust God. If you have prayed, oh, God, take me deeper, then expect to find yourself in over your head. Why? So you will trust God. And that's where he'll show up. When you serve, you'll trust God, he'll show up. When you give, you'll trust God, he'll show up. When you share your faith, you trust God and he'll show up. Share your faith, I don't know what to say. Well, just tell him your story. Maybe God won't take you to a juvenile correction center like he did me, but he might just say to your friend across the street or across the hall or across the, the way, Would you just share with them? You know, my faith really helps me in times like this. Would you mind if I prayed for you? Be a buddy first. Be a buddy. Be a buddy. Be a buddy. So then when you say, well, you know, my faith helps me on days like this. Would you mind if I prayed for you? It can be a first way in. What story? Well, when did Jesus become more than a cuss word to you? I mean, for real. When was the last time God answered a prayer for you? Then share that. What did you get from your time with God this morning that helped you in your day that you might be able to share with somebody else? Not preach at them, but just say, you know, hey, my faith helps me. And this, and then the conversation has started. I got to tell you, it's going to be dangerous to your insecurity, but it's amazing how God's love can cast out your fear and help another person. You will be a peacemaker helping another person find him. That's adventure. Meet Jesus at the edge and then follow him. And here I got to ask you this. If you don't do it, who's going to do it? Oh, Pastor Bill, he'll do it. I don't know your friends. I don't know your family. God will send somebody who's more obedient than me. Right, Lord? You'll, You'll send some other Christian. No, some other Christian's thinking the same thing you are. Right? Oh, God will, give, God will give through somebody else who's more generous than me. No, no, no. Here's what God wants to do. He wants to use you. It's your story he wants changed. It's your life he wants empowered to be a channel from heaven to earth, right in your part of the world. And if you don't do it, you miss your chance. Some years ago, I was at a conference in Washington, DC, and I was reminded of a story, an irony, that happened to the LBJ White House. Uh, this was long before Neil Armstrong ever set foot on the moon, and there were some early lunar uh, missions that were going up and taking images of the moon's surface, more detailed than we'd ever seen. And the images had gotten back to the White House, and now they are going to be seen for the first time. I mean, imagine that a billion dollars had been was being spent at the time on the NASA Gemini program, and uh, astronauts had traveled hundreds of thousands of miles out, taking these images, and now they're getting images of the moon, bringing them back, and now they're all going to be viewed for the very first time in the president's oval office. And the projector went black. They couldn't get to the screen because of a breakdown in the projector. How ironic, right? And how ironic is it that our Lord came all the way from eternity past from the mysteries of heaven clothed himself in a body lived life on this earth gave himself on a cross was buried in a grave rose from the dead poured his spirit out upon a church and they passed the message on 2000 years so that right here right now you could have it and i got to ask you how are you doing on the next 10 feet how ironic That God would bring this gift of peace so far and then have the delivery system break down before you can take the next 10 feet and share it with a neighbor, share it with your family, share it with a friend, enter a conversation. I mean, you're coming to the edge and then just, no. Why? So that they can decide for themselves. It's not hard. You be a buddy. And then you share in reality, I don't have it all together, but hey, why don't we do this? That's Juan for John. And then we join together in the journey and other people experience him. If your journey hinged on you taking the next 10 feet, where would that take you today? What do the next 10 feet look like for you right now? Because I'm telling you, that's where God will engage the kingdom adventure with you. And you will find yourself being an instrument of peace. Because you took the risk, faced the danger, and said, I got to get out of this Dead Sea stuff. I need Living River, Jordan River. Would you pray with me? And for each of you who senses right now that the Spirit's call to you is, let go of the dead sea. Enough death already. Enough death. My life in your hands, Father. My life, a Jordan River, flowing with life-giving, Spirit-filled water. Just helping me know what to say and how to say it and when to say it because I've already shown up to serve, and to be generous, to give. And then your spirit uses me somehow. Is this your prayer today? Lord, make me an instrument of your peace and use me in my part of our broken and hurting world to bring healing and hope. Maybe you're an spiritual explorer with us today and you're checking it out like John was, skeptical, suspicious. You are so welcome here, and I'm so glad you came. But when I found myself in a place like that, my first prayer was, God, if you're real, would you show me? You can pray that prayer right now. God, if you're real, would you show me? And then within 24 hours, I was praying this prayer, and I invite you to pray it with me now, if it feels right in your heart. Jesus, forgive my sins. Come into my life. I am turning from my way to your way and ask you to fill me with your spirit and lead me. I receive you by faith. Now, our heads still bowed for a moment, but if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, would you simply slip your hand up and hold it up just for a moment? If you're joining us online, there's an orange banner right there on the screen and you can click that and we will be praying with and for you as well. Thank you. Thank you in the back on the left side, in the middle on the left side. God bless you. Here in the center toward the back in the middle. God bless you. And then toward my right. Amen. Right down here in the front. God bless you. Lord Jesus, for every raised hand and every open heart where they're saying, enough dead sea. Make my life a Jordan River. Fill me with your spirit. We pray that they would sense your cleansing presence and your empowering presence today. And we thank you for the opportunity of sharing the next step of faith on the journey with them. In your name we pray. Amen.